Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for Christ's coming as we reflect on several passages this morning. We want to be attentive to what your word says, attentive to Christ, and attentive to the salvation that he offers. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen. When the world thinks of Christmas, what comes to their mind? When the world thinks of Christmas, what comes to their mind? A response or two or three. What comes to the mind of the world? Pardon? Shopping. Shopping. Anything else? Toys. Toys. Presents. When you think of Christmas, or hear the word Christmas, what comes to your mind? Jesus. Earlier we read Matthew 1, 18 through 25, and just a few moments ago read Luke 2, 1 through 20. Both passages appear at the beginning of the Gospels, in which they are written. Matthew one twenty one says, He, referring to Christ, will save his people, the Jews, from their sins. Luke 2 and verse 11, Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. This morning we want to reflect some on Christ and his coming. And the words, saved, he came to save his people. Salvation is tied in with that. Both passages deal with Christ coming among the Jews. And when Matthew says he came to save his people with time with Jews, a Savior has been born to you. We've tied with Jews, and we know that Christ came to his people, the Jews. And then we know that later on, as we go into the book of Acts, that the ministry of the gospel was also spread out to the Gentiles, and Gentiles can be grafted in. That is, into the body of Christ. And the Apostle Paul had a primary ministry to the Gentiles. Both passages, Matthew 1 and Luke 2, make a statement about Christ. Both Gospels to go on to communicate the identity, the character, the being of Christ. That is why he could be the Savior. The majority of both Matthew and Luke deal with the identity, the character, the being of Christ. Probably three-fourths of Matthew and three-fourths of Luke deal with his character, his identity, his being. Towards the tail end of Matthew and the tail end of Luke, we find that the trial and crucifixion and Death and resurrection of Christ are shared. But what he does does at the end of the Gospels is dependent upon who he is and his character, his identity, his being. And we know that Christ came to be a Savior, not limited to Savior, but came to be a Savior to save 
his people, the Jews and then the Gentiles, from sin. So question, what is salvation? What does it mean to be saved? We want to reflect on that as we think about a number of passages. In Acts chapter 16, we won't turn to this passage, but in Acts 16 we find that Paul, Silas are in jail, in the Philippian jail, and we know that there's an earthquake during the night. And as a result of the earthquake, the doors are open. And the jailer comes to them and says, what must I do to be saved? And as you look at the overflow of the book of Acts, it would time with forgiveness of sin through belief in Christ. In First Timothy chapter 1, 12 through 17, we find that Paul is sharing some of his testimony. In the middle of sharing his testimony, he states that Christ came to save sinners who believe on him. And as you consider the message of Paul overall, we find that that would tie in with being rescued from unbelief, which means to be delivered from sin through faith in Christ. But we want to turn to Ephesians 2 and read a few verses together, and then again reflect on saved and salvation as we think about Christ coming to be a Savior, coming to save. Ephesians chapter 2, and I'll begin reading with verse 1. The context begins with a clear statement of fact concerning the Ephesians being in sin, and then what God has done. Ephesians 2 and verse 1, as for you, You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. When you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, And this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In verses 1 through 3, Paul clearly states, as he writes to the Ephesians, and applicable to People today, as far as where they were, dead in transgressions and sins, following the ruler, the ways of the world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, giving in to cravings of the sinful nature. And then in verse 4, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. 
even when we were dead in transgressions. He says in the end of verse 5 there, it is by grace you've been saved. And then in verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved. Again, as you read the flow of Ephesians, salvation is being rescued from unbelief. Unbelief means one is in sin. That's under the wrath of God. But rescued from unbelief means we are delivered from sin. And that's penalty. So we think about Christ. He came to save. He came to be a savior. That means that there is sin. That means that there is lostness. There is a need. And I think back years ago, after a baptismal service, we ended up at someone's house and uh, we had a swimming pool. We had a baptismal service at a pond. And then we went over to someone's house and they had a swimming pool and they said, let's throw Pastor Dan in the pool. And I said, I want you to know that I cannot swim. I know nothing about swimming. They threw me in. And I'm not sure how many times I went up or went down and was coming up. But finally, someone said, he can't swim. And I remember thoughts going through my head. Is anyone going to come in here and get me? I realized I wasn't going to get out of here unless I had help. Jesus came to a world that needs help. But understanding that help is needed, and that is tied in with sin. He came to be a savior. Ephesians talks about sin. Other passages talk about sin. What is sin? Missing the point of life, which is a relationship with God and total satisfaction in that. Sin, basically in its broader definition, is missing the point of life, which is a relationship with God, and being content in that relationship. Another aspect of sin, but saying in a little different way, to fall short or miss the mark, which is total contentment in a relationship with God and obedience to him. So sin in its broader sense is missing the mark, the lack of a relationship with God, and that goes back to Genesis chapter 3. This lack of a relationship with God means one's total being and nature is totally and completely influenced. This means one's desires, attitudes, thinking, and beliefs fall short of God's will standard. Thus, what happens? Humans are self-assertive. I can do. Pursue self-satisfaction. I must have my desires. Self-exaudive. I am supreme. Or superior, rather. Self-glorifying. I must have the credit. Now think about the human race. And how often the word self comes into play. Asserting self, satisfying self, exalting self, glorifying self. 
No one can do anything to conquer sin or to be delivered from it. Sin influences and controls the total being. Christ came to be a savior, to save his people. Ties in with the Jews, but again extends to the Gentiles. Think about sins in contrast to sin. From the sinful nature, the lack of a relationship with God, spring words which fall short of God's will and desire and plan. Not saying they're all evil, just fall short of God's will, plan, and desire. And actions which fall short of God's will, plan, and desire. Now please understand that Words and actions do not make one a one sinful. Rather, our words and our actions display we are sinners separated from a relationship with God. I heard one person say, stealing a horse does not make one a horse thief. One steals a horse because he is a horse thief. To word it another way, one's actions of sin does not make him or her a sinner. One commits acts of sin because he or she is a sinner. Our actions and our words spring from a dependency upon self, a lack of a relationship with God, being, as Scripture says, in Adam. So what is inside comes out in actions. And I'm going to illustrate with a simple drawing. Sin versus sin. Sin, dealing with the inner nature. The lack of a relationship with God. Due to that lack of relationship with God, self-satisfaction. I must have my desires. Self-assertive, I can do. Self-glorification, I must have the credit. Self-exaudive, I am superior. So the issue is not merely words and actions. We're dealing with the very core of our being, lacking a relationship with God. In Matthew chapter 15, we won't turn there, we find that Jesus is speaking and he says, out of the heart, Come, and he lists a variety of actions, but they come from the heart. In Matthew chapter, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 7, Jesus is talking about clean and unclean. And he says, Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. And saying this, Jesus was declaring all foods clean. He went on, what comes out of man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, idolatry, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. So when Jesus came 
to be Savior, to save, we're dealing with sin inside and coming out. What does it mean to be saved? What is salvation? We're dealing with being rescued, to deliver from, to be set free from, to bring into the limits of saving privilege, to preserve safe and unharmed. Human beings separated from a relationship with God. Inner being, which influences words and actions, the outer person. Christ came to be a Savior. To rescue, to deliver from, to set free from, to bring into the privileges or limits of saving privilege, to preserve safe and unharmed. To be a little more specific, to be rescued from sin and sins, that is slavery to sin. Be rescued from not having a relationship with God. To be delivered from unbelief. To be set free from sin and sins. Thus the penalty for sin. To bring within the limits of saving privilege. Freedom from sin's penalty and power. Thus a relationship with God. With Christ. With the Holy Spirit. With the body of Christ. People separated from a relationship with God. Christ came to save, to deliver. You may recall that years ago there was a plane that had taken off, if I'm recalling correctly, from LaGuardia Airport. And they flew into some birds, and both engines were knocked out. And according to what I understand, the co-pilot was the one piloting that day, and he turned the responsibility over to the pilot at that point in time. Initially, they did not know what happened, but realized that they lost power in both engines. They were instructed to go back to LaGuardia, and the pilot recognized that he did not have enough Altitude to glide back to LaGuardia. And the people in the plane knew that something was going on. And they recognized, I think pretty quickly, that we have no hope apart from that guy sitting up front who is piloting this plane. We're lost. We're doomed. But we know that the pilot was able to land the plane on the Hudson River intact. And the plane floated for a period of time and everyone was able to get out of the plane, stood on wings and so on. Choppers came to pick up some people Some boats came to pick up people. And within a matter of, I'm not sure the exact how many minutes, everyone was rescued. 
But as the plane landed on the Hudson River and the pilot and the co-pilot made every, sure everyone get out of the plane before they came out of the plane. Now everyone has no hope. They're lost. The pilot can do nothing. But what happened? Choppers, boats came to save, to rescue. The pilot rescued them from a crash. But once on the river, they're dependent upon someone else to save them, to rescue them. And in essence, to illustrate sin and the lostness, the human race is separated from God in need of a Savior. And Christ came into this world in fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies to save, to be a Savior. And it's through repentance of sin and faith in Christ that we come into that relationship. Salvation is at a point in time. Repentance of sin and faith in Christ. But it is also ongoing. During one's life on earth, continuing to be saved from sin, God continuing to work, living in yieldedness to God. But it's also future. There's a hope of being with the Lord, a new heaven and a new earth. Christ came to be a savior, to save his people from their sin. The believer in Christ was saved, past, is being saved, present, will be saved, future. Christ, the baby, the one whose birth we celebrate, came to be a savior. To save. To save from what? People who lacked a relationship with God. People who live in their own strength and their own ability. See, the people on the plane could do what they wanted to. But they're going down. They're dependent upon the pilot. On the river, they could do what they want, but they're dependent upon someone rescuing them. In the same way, humans need the work of Christ, his payment on the cross, if there is to be a saving, a deliverance from sin. Salvation is past, present, future. Saved is used in the context of passages where there is a distinct and definite evidence of immediate change, but yet long-term change. To claim to be saved and live like you did before salvation is not on track. 
salvation. A deliverance from sin, which involves recognizing the need to be saved. Just as I'm going down the second time in the swimming pool, I have a need. I need help. As the plane is hit by birds, we need help. The captain, the pilot, in his wisdom, after flying many years, recognized they wouldn't make it to LaGuardia. He had no alternative. We landed on the river. The people in the plane were saved because of his ability. The captain, pilot, and those in the plane were saved because of the chopper pilots, those running the boats that came to rescue. In the same way, Christ came to save, to give life. And that's through repentance of sin and faith in Christ. I would ask a simple question. Have you come to faith in Christ? Has there been repentance and faith? If not, why not come to him today? Trust him. If you have come to faith in Christ, are you responding to that grace as a believer? What wondrous grace that God would love the world to send Christ. That there can be deliverance from sin. There can be a relationship with God, with Christ, with the Holy Spirit, with the body of Christ. Amazing grace. What wondrous grace that those who have no hope can have forgiveness, they can be saved, they can be delivered and call God their Father. Reflect on that as the choir comes to sing another song. And then after the choir sings, we'll share a few verses very briefly and pray together. Choir? Choir?